Okay, so today's daf is Nun Gimel in uh, Eruvin. We're going to start the new parak. Nun Bet Amud Bet, last two lines of the Amud. It's actually a lot of Agadah today, so it's a great uh, daf. So, Ketzad Me'abrin Et Ha'arim, Be'it Nichnas, Be'it Yotzei, Pagum Nichnas, Pagum Yotzei. So it's talking about, like, you need to figure out what the Tchum is going to be, but, you know, when you think about it practically, it's different than when you think about it theoretically, because when you think about it practically, you need to measure, measure the Tchum from, uh, let's say, the uh, eastern side of the city, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So, like, from where? You know, not every... Uh, is the side of the city totally in a straight line? How, what city is constructed that the out, outer edge of the city is a perfect straight line? It's not a perfect straight line, so where do you start measuring from? Right, where do you draw? Where do you start measuring your city from? You know, you could have like uh, back then what they had was a. If they didn't have a wall around the city, they would have like houses on the outside, and the outside of the houses was basically the wall. You know, they they would have houses around the perimeter of the outside of the city, and the back of those houses made the wall. So if you have that, then uh, some houses are going to stick out. Some houses are going to be more in, more out. You might have a. You might have a. Uh, uh, let's say a tower or something on the outside of the city that that bulges out a little bit, or maybe it indents in a little bit. So where do you do you have to draw the line of the tchum from the furthest in, from the furthest out? What do you do? You know, where do you start the line? You can't have an every inch is a different tchum. Two thousand amot from this point in the city will be will end in a certain place, and two thousand amot from a different point will end in a different place. So what it says is. What it's going to tell us is that you have to that you draw a shape around the entire city. But it says gedudiot uh, So in, you might have now that Rashi explains it. He says that um, that that all of these houses you could have um, you can have like rounded uh, rounded uh, uh, towers. You could also have like uh, broken down areas on the outside of the city. That's you know it's not evenly shaped. So gedudiot that are high, that are ten fachim high, meaning they're they're forming a kind of a partition, but they're not even. Ugsharim onifashot. You might have um, a, a bridge on the outside. You might have nifashot or like a graveyard. Okay, she'esh ben bedira. If it if they have a house in them, in other words, if it's just a bridge, it doesn't count towards the city. But if there's a little like place for the toll taker to sleep in there and collect tolls when people come, then then it would be. Or if there's a place for the graveyard, you know, for somebody to stay there. So you subtract the amount of space that they take up, and um, and uh, and you uh, or you add, I should say, the amount of space they take up. So what you do is you make basically a square around the city that will fit around the entire city. So that means that if on one side it juts out a little bit, then to make an even square, you're going to have to also extend a little bit on the other side. Like if on the eastern side, I think Rashi explains, he says like, if you have uh, things that are sticking out, blitot, things that are sticking out on the, uh, on the northeast, so then you have to imagine that also on the southeastern side, it's also sticking out. In other words, you have, so if there's things sticking out, um, uh, let's say, let's say from the, the city is situated uh, in such a way that on the, eastern, on the northeastern side, there's like a tower sticking out a little bit. So then when you draw the square, you draw from the outermost point down. So actually, even though on the, on the southeastern side, there's, no, there's nothing jutting out there. Yeah. But you're going to get extra space because of the northeastern right, side. So right, because you're making a square. That's the tower. Right. And the rest of the city is here. This whole thing, right? That whole thing is going to be. That whole thing is going to take up because because it's going to be. You need to make a square around it. So you end up benefiting. And also, it says you make a tavla. You make a square 
thing, so you benefit from the corners. In other words, in the if you draw a square around the city, yeah. okay, that's an that's an even square. So actually, from the corner of the city to the corner of the square is going to be longer than from the side of the city to the side of the square. So you don't have to round the corners of the square. So there's only two thousand amot from the corner of the city to the corner of the square. You know, because if you draw from the, you're going to get that diagonal. It's going to be longer. So you, you benefit from there. So actually it ends up being a long, if you walk from the corner of the city to the corner of that square, right. that, it's okay, going to be okay. Even though you're going to get like uh, hundreds of amot more, right. like uh, it's okay. There's nobody here, there's a corner. Right. A, uh, some building that becomes the corner. From here you can go 2,000. Yes, yeah, so, right, exactly. You're going you're gonna to gain space. Yeah. Now, that's uh, why they don't do a circle. Right, they don't do a circle because then you won't get any corners. You won't, you get the extra benefit of the of the, uh, of the square. So it says, "Rab Shmuel Chatanei Meabrin VeChatanei Meabrin with Aleph." So is it with Ayin or Aleph? Man Detanei Meabrin with Aleph. Ever, ever. It's because each part be ever means a, a limb. So so you add limbs to it, meaning you add the things that are sticking out and protruding on the sides of the city. You add them to the calculation of the city. That's Meabrin with an Aleph. However, if you, if you have an eye in it there, that's Kisha Ubara, that means a pregnant woman. Same concept, that there's something sticking out, you know, that, that, that you have to take into account also. And you have another case like this. There's a machloket between Rav and Shemuel. What is Marat HaMachpelah? Machpelah has the meaning of double. Kaful, double. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So the question is, what is it? And Rav and Shmuel have arguments, but it doesn't tell, they, they forgot what, which one Rav said and which one Shmuel said, but they knew that Rav and Shmuel argued about it. So one said that Machpelah means that there was a, a cave and then another one inside. One says there's a cave and another one underneath. It was two stories, it was two, it was two chambers. Okay, that's the Achloket. So, 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 Bishlam Alemanda Marzel Gavze, we understand the one that says that it's one on top of the other, Hainu Machpila, that's why it's called double. But Elemanda Marshnebatim Zelp Nimize Mai Machpila, Shikfulav Zugot. So, if you're going to say that it's, uh, that it's one within the other, in other words, it's just two chambers, that's not really double, that's just a normal s- setup that you have an inside, you have an outer and an inner chamber. You wouldn't call that double. So, why is it called double? Because Shikfulav, it, it has, it has doubles of Zugot, of, um, People. Yeah, of, of couples, right? Because it's called Mamre Kiryat Arba. It's called Mamre Kiryat Ha'arba, I think is the Pasuk. Not, it should have a hay there. Yeah. Yeah, on the side it says, yeah. Amar Yitzchak Kiryat Arba. What does it mean? It's the place of the four. Zuko, right? It's Arba Zugot. Adam Vechava. Avraham Vesorah. Yitzchak Vevka Yaakov It's called Kiryat Arba because it has four couples. It has... Ad, Adam and Chava, Avram and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rufka, Yaakov and Le'ah. That's why it's called double, even though it wasn't really double two stories, according to this opinion. It was one and another inner chamber. It was all two chambers. Right? given to this place before? Kiryat Arba was before, but uh, they interpreted it that it's referring to its, you know, to, to this. The future. Yeah, the future also. It was in the days of Amrafel. This was when Abraham conducted the war of the four kings against the five kings, right? One says that Amrafel was actually Nimrod. Why was he called Amrafel? Because Amar Lehapil. He said to throw Abraham into the Fiery furnace. That was Nimrod. So it says Amrafel was really Nimrod. But Amrafel Shimon once says no. Amrafel was his real name. So Nimrod. Why was he called Nimrod? That he got his entire kingdom to rebel against Hashem. So it's Nimrod comes from the word merid from uh, the word rebellion, right? So the question is, which was his real name, Amrafel or Nimrod? Was was Amrafel his real name and Nimrod was his nickname because he conducted a rebellion? Or no, his real name was Nimrod, but he was called Amrafel because he said to throw Abraham into 
the fiery furnace. Another machlok between Rav and Shmuel and interpretation of Sukim. Rav and Shmuel said about a new king arose over Egypt. One said it was really new. One said that he just had new decrees. Right? This is famous. Rashi quotes it in the beginning of, 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 of Shemot also. Right. The one that says he was really new, it's obvious why, because it says new. Right? But why Why does the other one say that it's, uh, that it's only that his decrees were new? Because it doesn't say, because normally when it talks about the transition of power, it says one king died and the other one took over. It doesn't say that. What, the one that says that it, it wasn't really a new king, but it was just a new, uh, new policy, right? So Yosef doesn't it say he didn't know Yosef? So It's like he, he he acted as if he didn't know Yosef. In other words, under the new policies, he acted like he didn't know Yosef. It wasn't that he really didn't know Yosef, but he made himself as if he didn't know Yosef. And now we have a Siman Shmona Yisrael Shnei Masar Lamadnu B'David Vayavin. So we're going to see what this means. Rabbi Yochanan said that I learned for eighteen days in the presence of the great Rabbi Oshaya, who was his, uh, the previous generation, Biribi. I only learned one thing about our Mishnah in all those 18 days. Okay? I'm, I want my tuition money back. I learned that the Me'abrinetarim should be with an Aleph. Now with an Ayin like we have it. Right? Is that true? Didn't Rabbi Yochanan say that he's saying that he didn't learn anything? But, but, but he said that there were 12 students there uh, uh, with Rabbi Oshaya Biribi, the great Rabbi Oshaya. And I learned with them for 18 days. And I learned the heart of each one. And I learned the wisdom of each one. Meaning he, he got a lot out of it. Right? Yeah, you're right. He got to know how smart the other students were, but he didn't learn anything. Right? Uh-huh. Meaning, Gemara Logo, he didn't learn anything himself, but he got to, he saw how great they were. Or, it could be that he meant that he learned from the students, but he didn't learn much directly from the teacher. He only learned one thing from the teacher. He spent most of his time with the students. Or, it could just mean, it's not that he didn't learn anything in those 18 days, it means that. He only learned one thing about this Mishnah, but he learned about a lot of other stuff too. Right? Amrav Yochanan, Kishayin Ulam Dinit Torah, it's Rabbi Yoshea. When we were learning with Rabbi Yoshea, those, those long 18 days that it wasn't that long, you know, it sounds like it was a long time. Right? Ha'ino Yoshevin, Arba'a We would sit four people to each Amma, meaning they were squeezed in tight. Right? Squeezed in tight. Four people, Amma is very tight. Amrav Rabbi, Rabbi said, Kishayin Ulam Dinit Torah, it's Rabbi Yoshea, Ben Shamu, Ha'ino Yoshevin, Shisha, Shisha, Bama. We would squeeze six into an Amma. That's like a miracle. In one and a half feet. Right? Like, forget about, forget about social distancing. Amrav Rabbi Yochanan, yeah. Rabbi Yoshea, Rabbi Bidrok Rabbi Meir Bidrok says that Rabbi Yoshea Baribi in his generation was like Rabbi Meir in his generation. Ma Rabbi Meir Bidrok lo yachlu chaverav lamod al sovdato. Rabbi Yoshea lo yachlu chaverav lamod al sovdato. Just like Rabbi Meir in his generation, his colleagues could not understand him. In other words, he was very deep, and that's why the halacha doesn't usually follow Rabbi Meir because his ideas were so deep. The other rabbis could never understand it, so they could not rule that way because they couldn't understand it. Right? That was, that was the, uh, so too was Rabbi Oshea in his generation so deep that the halakha didn't often follow his rulings because he was too deep. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. The hearts of the early generation, meaning their minds, were like the opening of the ulam. Right? And the later generation was like the opening of the hechal, which was half the size. Right? Meaning it was half as good. The ulam is the outer chamber. Oh, the when outer, you come yeah, the, right, yeah, yeah. the outer of the um, of the inside part, right? The ulam was twenty amot wide, and the hechal was narrower. It was only 
ten amot wide. Right, that's the Kodesh, the entrance to the Kodesh. Like ten, ten amot wide. So it's was half as good. They were half as good. Right, va'anu kimlona nekev machatzid kit. We are like the hole of a uh, of a needle, the eye of a needle compared to that. The the type of a the type of a needle that you use to fix sidkeb gadim. It says like um, little. Uh, 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 cracks and holes in clothing, the little fine needle that they use, a tiny hole in that needle, that, that's how smart we are. And right? this is Rabbi Yochanan talking. This is Rabbi Yochanan talking, so that's pretty bad. Yeah, so now he's, he says, Rishonim Rabbi Akiva. Who's the, who are the Rishonim? Rabbi Akiva. Achonim Rabbi Elazar ben Shemua. The later is Rabbi Elazar ben Shemua, which is already right before the generation of the Mishnah. So he's saying, you know, the, uh, some say Rishonim Rabbi Elazar ben Shemua, or it could be that he was talking about Rabbi Elazar ben Shemua when he said Rishonim Achonim Rabbi Oshaya Rabbi, and the later generation, in other words, take it down a generation. <clears throat> he wasn't saying Rabbi Akiva to Rabbi Oshaya, the transition. He was saying from, he was saying from Rabbi, from Rabbi Oshaya to Rabbi, from uh, Rabbi Elazar ben Shemua, who was the, who was after uh, Rabbi Akiva to Rabbi Oshaya. And we're like an eye of a needle. Okay. How far is Rabbi uh, Yochanan from Rabbi uh, Akiva? Well, a while. Because he, he, yeah, he, he, he learned, um, Rabbi Yochanan was the first generation of the Amoraim. Rabbi Akiva was alive around the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. So that's, that's around the year 70. Um, Rabbi Yochanan lived in the third century. About two, three okay, yeah, a couple hundred years later. Oh. Because Rabbi Yochanan was involved in, in editing Talmud Yerushalmi around the year 300-ish, something like that. Yeah. We are like trying to put a peg into a wall when it comes to Gemara. So he's saying, what's well, really bad? And we are like putting your finger in wax when it comes to uh, reasoning. So Gemara means tradition, meaning remembering the information. Svara means reasoning. But we are like putting your finger into a big hole when it comes to forgetting, meaning it's very easy for us to forget, like putting a finger into a, a big pit. Everything That's easy. Goes. Yeah, everything goes out. The people of Yehuda, who are very precise in their language... Their Torah stayed with them. But B'nei Galil, the people of Galil, they were not careful about their language. They didn't keep their learning. Their learning faded what away. It's going to explain. It's going to explain. Okay. What do you mean it has to do with the language? What do you say? It doesn't mean they were strict about language. because It means that they were precise. They spoke precisely. Okay? And they also would set for themselves simanim. They would set for themselves like mnemonic devices to remember things. But B'nai Galil that were not precise. They, were, they didn't express themselves clearly. Okay? And they didn't leave. They did not make um, uh, mnemonic devices to remember things. They did not keep their Torah. didn't say with them. Another thing was that the Bnei Yehuda would learn from one teacher. So they got a consistent message. They would learn one teacher. The people that learn from one teacher get one, uh, one uh, clear understanding. If you go to different, uh, all different teachers all the time, you get confused. One teacher, at least in the beginning. You know, there's actually, uh, there's a Gemara that talks about this elsewhere that says, well, you know, that's maybe at one stage of a learning um, yeah, Rashi, actually Tosafot brings it here. It says, When it comes to learning text, mastering text, one teacher is best because you, you want to have one clear foundation. Your foundation is clear. 
Right? Anything you're learning a foundations of, if you get too many teachers, it's really confusing because different uh, teachers will approach it differently. But when it comes to Svarah, it's good to learn from multiple teachers because you're exposed to different ways of thinking. To, how to, to, you know, to, to thinking, thinking. Oh, okay. when, it com- when it comes to thinking, you want to hear different theories. You want to hear only one idea, one, one interpretation. You become very limited. Master the right, and you think that that's the only way to think. And then you have certain people like that. They're very dogmatic. The way my rabbi said it, the only way. Nobody knows anything then you don't, you can't, um, you know, but when it comes to being foundation. taught the foundation, it's better to have one teacher, like, because you're going to get confused. Yeah. They so, never took notes or anything. They, they did, they did. The Rav Mom says they took notes. They oh. Yeah, sometimes it says they found on Megillat Starim and notes, private notes. They just didn't have any text that they mm. used for education. That's the best thing to remember for me. Yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to uh, write that much down back then. They didn't have, like, uh, they couldn't go to Staples and buy, like, uh, a notebook, you know. What are they going to do? The um, the uh, the Bnei the she says means either that they taught others, they always taught others what they were learning, or it means that they would explain things very clearly. Each point would explain it until it settled in their mind. Either way, it means that they process the information because if you teach, you have to process the information. If you explain the process. Right, so they kept their learning, but they either didn't teach others or they didn't go into the reasoning behind things. Then they didn't, they it didn't stay with them. Like you could see, like let's say the older generation that they knew certain minhagim, they learn things from just from they absorb it, but they don't know the reasons behind it. So it's harder for them to, get to yeah, they forget it or they they get confused different things because they don't know what the reasoning was behind why they were doing what they were doing. So they get things mixed up very easily that way, right? David was um, exposed his learning, which either means again that he went into the depth of it, or it means that he uh, he taught it. Okay, he taught others, and therefore he he had a higher level of learning. Shaul didn't do that. David That's why, with regard to David Amelech, it says those who fear um, that. Uh, uh, that uh, those who fear Hashem see me and they're happy. So Rashi says, "What? Because we said the right. He always had the right answers. So the people who fear God would hear his uh, very Torah and say, "Wow, that's so good." Because they understand. But Shaul right? But Shaul didn't. Everything he did was bad, right? Meaning everything he was doing was uh, it was was going was going poorly. Meaning to say, I don't imagine Shaul as a like a scholar. He didn't succeed in his in his learning. Yeah, it's hard to imagine them. But I mean, the only reason why it's easier for us to imagine David as one is because he wrote Tehillim. Sure. If he didn't write Tehillim, you wouldn't see that side of him as much. But because he wrote Tehillim, you see that you see. Up, uh, the yeah. Whole night yeah, that's from Tehillim. We know that. Yeah. But if you read just the book of Shmuel, you don't see it as much. You see him as a good person, but not as yeah. a, a learned. Yeah, so it says, She says, He didn't have the ability to teach properly because he didn't, he, to give halachic rulings, Shaul, either because he didn't learn in depth as much as he should have, or because he didn't teach others, so he didn't develop his understanding to the right level. How do we know that Hashem forgave Shaul for killing the Kohanim of Nov? That was when he massacred the Kohanim of Nov, which was the worst thing that he did, because it says, when he went to raise Shmuel from the dead, Shmuel said, tomorrow you and your son are going to be with me, meaning you're going to be with me in Olam Haba, so meaning that he was forgiven and he was going to go to Olam Haba, he wasn't uh, held, uh, held accountable for that. 
if there's somebody to uh, you know um, uh, who will ask who you'll ask the people of Yehuda because they're precise with their language if it's with an Aleph or an Ayin. Akuzo with an Ayin or Aleph, we learned that in Bechorot, it has to do with the defects of the animal, um, of, the, of the rear of the animal and the, uh, and the genitalia of the animal has only one uh, testicle or whatever. When talked about uh, different things that make it uh, invalid, Mumin, right? One was an Ayin, one was Aleph. Yad A, Right? They, they, they'll they know the answer to what it is because they're so precise, right? So we should ask them. So shall Ninu Vamrele, they asked them, they asked the people of Yehuda, and they said, So in other words, they, they knew the two versions, but they didn't have one. So even though they were very precise, they knew that there were two versions, and... Uh, and that itself was, you know, they, they knew about the two versions, but they didn't say which one was correct. They just, they, they were aware that there were two, and I guess they both were valid. What does it mean that they were precise in their language? What's an example of this precision in language? Because a person, person from Yehuda said, I, a certain person from Yehuda said, I have a talit to sell. They said, my gavach talit. What is the color? You know, I want to know what kind of, is it going to match my uh, outfit? You know, what, what kind of a color is it? It's like beets on the ground. But that's a very precise, it's a nice color, number one. And number two, it's very exact uh, d- d- distinction. Uh, you know, exact color. Being very precise. Right? So he gives an exact example, very clear. He was an example of the people of Galil, that they uh, they don't speak so clearly. Amar leman, Amar leman. He would come to, he came to the shuk and he said, "Who has Amar? Amar leman, Amar leman. What's Amar? What is it?" But Amrul Gilila Shote. They said, "You stupid Galilean guy." Chamar lemirkav. Are you saying Chamar, meaning you want a chamor, you want a donkey? Oh, Chamar lemishteir. You mean wine to drink? Because Chamar in Aramaic is wine. Chamor in Hebrew, obviously, is donkey. Right? Amar lemilbash. Amar is, uh, you know, a, uh, a, is something that you make uh, clothing out of, Living. right? You want to make, yeah, wool to make clothing. Oh, Amar it kasaur, you want to have an animal, the actual sheep, to slaughter it. Like, I don't know what you're saying. What are you asking for, why, right? Why do we keep comparing the Brayo to... Because before they were talking about how precision in your language is part, helps you to learn. Because if of you're that, pre- they remember. Right, they couldn't oh. remember to learn because the, the guy says something, blah, 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 you don't know what he said, and then you can't, uh, it does, you process more clearly when the language is clear. Lab, right? lab yeah. Some like, uh, you know, color people. But there are, pe- there are people who have, yeah, they, or they have slang, or, or but, but even, even rabbis or teachers, if they don't clearly say what they're, you know, they don't express themselves clearly, or they, it's confused the way they express themselves, or they talk in a way that is very jumbled, so you don't I, get... I had a rabbi back in school who said, when somebody understands a topic, he can relate much easier. So somebody, if you don't understand somebody, meaning he himself might not understand. Originally didn't right. have a good family. If the person says, I can't, ex- I know what it is, but I can't explain it, they don't really know it. That's the, yeah, that's they the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tied chalba, that, uh, a lady wanted to say to her friend, come and eat some fat, like some, you know, kosher fat, I guess. You know, come eat it. Amrala shluchti tochlich lavya. She said, she said, uh, may a, a lion come and eat you. Okay? So, so obviously that was not, that wasn't what, what she intended. 
בעצם רש"י explains, הייתה רוצה לומר בואי ואוכלך חלב, שהיא wanted to say come eat some fat, ואינה מפרשת לחתוך תיבות זו מזו, she doesn't separate her words, she slurs everything together. ולהשמיע כל תיבה ותיבה. ומצטרפות שתי תיבות כאחת. And she says the two things together, so instead of, uh, so she, so, ואומרת נמי שלוחתי בכף, והייתה רוצה לומר שלובתי בבית, she wanted to say משולבות, she wanted to say my friend, okay, and she instead said שלוחתי, because she put the word לאכול, to eat, together with my friend, and then she said, and she wanted to say eat fat, but she said תוכלך לבי, which sounds like let me a, uh, may a lion eat you. Anyway, there was a woman who came before the judge. She said, Marie Kiri, my master slave. Okay? So she, so, uh, she wanted to say uh, master, but she said Kiri with a kaf, which means slave, instead of with a kuf. Tifla havetli. So she said, uh, she wanted to say, she says, Tavla havetli. I had a board. Okay? Uh, uh, but she instead said, Tifla havetli, which... Uh, וכדוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהוהו
Um, the the, the ladle's hitting the pitcher. It's time for the birds to go home. Or she would say, "Oh, let's bring a friend," and 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 it will float on the on the wine. Meaning, she would say, "The point is that she had she was indirectly hinting to them to go. She wasn't rude. She wasn't uh, you know." Like Rabbi Yosi Bar Asyan, Kavam Mishtei Belishon Chachamai, would use a wise language also. Amar Asuli Shor BeMishpat Betur Misken. He would say, "Please make me an ox in judgment on a poor mountain." What does that mean? Ashor BeMishpat. So Tor and Din in Aramaic, Shor is Tor, which means and 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 Mishpat is Din. So meaning to Adin, make me beets. Okay, Betur Misken Har Dal is Har Dal is mustard. Right, making beats with mustard. He had a creative way of saying it. Okay, and when he would ask how the uh, master of the inn was doing, like when he'd go there, he would say, "How is the person? How is the man doing?" Okay, which Rashi explains that is a uh, that um, it means osh pizo chai. So osh means ish pum kemopi. Ish means the man. Okay, giver is like uh, uh, is man, and then uh, and then uh, and then pum is pee the mouth, and then is like this. Okay, so he would say it in a very uh, brief way. Okay, but and he then would, he would ask, and he would say mazot He would say how what kind of goodness is there? In other words, he would say it in a very brief way, like how is the how is the man doing, and how how good is it? You know, he would, he would be very direct into the point. Rabbi it's not indirect, very indirect. Very, very, it's sort of indirect, but it was like uh, very brief. He would say this, Make the coals into etrogim. Flatten out the gold. And make me two of those who speak in the dark. What is he talking about? He's saying, heat up the coals till they're red, till they're like yellow, like etrogim. Spread them out and cook me two roosters because roosters are the ones that wake you up in the morning. They're the ones that speak at night, meaning they wake up in the morning. And make for me on, uh, with them uh, wait, what's the difference between the two and the sec- first and the second one? He would say, that in the first one it says, V'asuli shnei magidei balata. Oh, or say, make me with them, Okay, so in the first one, he's just saying two separate things. Maybe the first one was to have heat from the, uh, from, right, he, the first one was that he wanted heat from the coals, and he also wanted two roosters. The second one was, no, make heat, make, heat up the coals and make the roosters on them. But it's the same, same kind. Meaning he would use this indirect language, he, instead of using, uh, they were very creative with language, yeah. so instead of, instead of using, uh, but everybody would know what they meant. It's interesting. Hatspinenu, they would say, tell us, where is Rabbi Eli hiding? We haven't seen him. Where is he hiding? Okay, show us where he's hiding. Right? Let's, because here, here, tsofe is to look, but also tsafun is hiding. So it's funny, they're using like language that's play on words. Yeah. That he was enjoying a young girl, Aronit, who was a Kohen, Bat Kohen, who was recent, 
who was very lively, and she kept him awake, meaning he just got remarried to a young girl, and he was up all night having, oh, you know. Was, uh, oh, yeah. mnemonic for something. Right, else? so Amrela Isha, some say it was literally that he got remarried to a young lady, and no. he was, it was uh, distracted. Right, so. some are saying it's a metaphor for learning, he was learning all night. they said to Rabbi Eli, they said to him, show us where Rabbi Abau was hiding. And he said to them, he spoke with with the person who, who makes kings, who coronates. And he went south to Mephiboshet. Mephiboshet was the person who lived in the, uh, the son of Shaul, lived in the time of, I'm sorry, son of uh, Yonatan ben Shaul, who uh, lived during the time of David, and it was called Mephiboshet because he was such a great, he made everybody else embarrassed with his mouth. He would embarrass everyone because he was so smart. So he went to study with the scholars of the south, but it was a creative way of saying it, Nice. Using his language. Nobody ever beat me in a, a game of language except a, a woman, a baby, and a, and a girl. A young boy and a young girl. He was the deal with the woman. Once I came to an end. She made me beans. First day I ate them and I didn't leave any. Uh, and the second day also, I didn't need, I didn't leave over anything. She made it too salty the second day. As when I tasted it, I stopped eating it because it was too salty. She said, "Why are you not eating?" I said, to her, "I already ate, so you know I'm not hungry. I already ate." He didn't want to insult her. Yeah, yeah. She said to me, "So then, why did you eat the bread?" You know, <laughs> she said to me, Maybe you didn't leave anything over from the first plates. Right? The rule is that you don't leave over from the pot, meaning when you're serving guests, you should empty out the entire pot, but the, but the guests should leave for the shamash, for the attendant, some food on their plate that they don't eat on the side there, that he takes that, that's his meal. Oh, right, you leave it at the tip, and maybe you didn't do that. So oh, it sounds like she lesson. purposely made it a little bit too salty to like teach him a lesson. Yeah, tinoket mai. What's the case of the girl? One time I was walking on the way by the derech over the sedan. It was a, it was going through a field. It was like a shortcut. When I was walking, a little girl said to me, Rabbi, lo sadeizo. Isn't this a field? You know, somebody's field. Why are you walking through it? Amartila lo derech vusha. You know, isn't it? It's it's a it's a it's a derech vusha. Literally means it's like a trampled area. It's an amp, it's an area that that's yeah. People right. People walk through it. You're right. Robbers like you trampled it, meaning this is a private property and people before you used it as a shortcut. So now you're just continuing that. She, so she got him also. What's the young boy? This is a very famous one. One time I was walking on the way. I saw a kid. He was sitting on the, on the crossroads. How do I get to the city? Which road? And uh, Amali said, This one is short but long. But this one is long and short. Okay, it's a, fam- it's a famous story. So, so I went on the one that he said was short but long. I said, oh, Short is good. When I came to the city, I found that it was totally closed off by uh, uh, fields and... Uh, and, and um, and uh, ganot uh, oh, uh, uh, gardens, yeah. And so, so he, uh, so he couldn't get through. Chazadi lachway went back. Amadil, I said to the guy, to the kid, Bini, hello, Amatali, Sarah. You told me this was a shorter way. So what is the? Why you tell me to go this way? 
אמר לי, ולא אמרתי לך, ארוכה? Didn't I tell you it was longer? Meaning, he meant it was shorter, but it's longer. It's shorter in distance. But it's longer because when you, you can't actually get in, so you're going to have to come all the way back and go the other way. Right? So, I kissed him on his head. You know, fortunate are you, Jewish people, that you are, that from the old to the young, you are all so smart, meaning he told it to him in such a short, in, in such a, a brief he sent him the message in such a simple way, he didn't even get it. He didn't even realize <clears throat> what the, just like he didn't realize what the innkeeper lady was doing by putting extra salt. And he didn't realize that the girl was setting him up to tell him that he was trampling on someone else's field. And he didn't realize that this boy was t- telling him a dual message, that it's a shorter way, but it ends up being longer. It's like they always say there are no shortcuts, right? And when you end up trying to take a shortcut, usually it ends up being a longer path than it would have been if you went directly. There's a great picture that sometimes they share that says like, there's a truck, it's a real picture. Mm-hmm. There's a truck that went on like one of the parkways and it got stuck on one of the underpass, overpasses. You know, like sometimes they do that, they get stuck. Yeah, and it got like, it got like damaged badly. And on the, on the side of the truck, there was actually a, a, a logo that said like, there are no shortcuts or something mm-hmm. like that. It was irony. But the point was, like, it's true. You try to take a shortcut. Now it's going to be a lot longer. It's like if you speed and then you get pulled over by uh, a cop. So now it takes you 10 times longer to get where you were going than it would have got done if you went a little bit slower. So we'll continue here tomorrow. And, uh, but it was nice. Nice agada. <laughs>